This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We have just a few days to go before Christmas and the holiday break. So if you're looking to get some books as gifts for your kids or some books to read with your own kids, we're about to give you some suggestions. Joining us to sort through some of the fantastic children's books published in the last year is uh, Ebony Elizabeth Thomas, who's an associate professor in Penn's Graduate School of Education. And she has also brought with her one of her doctoral students, Chris Rogers, who helped uh, compile the list for her this year. Good seeing you again. Thank you for coming in. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you, Chris. Nice meeting you. Yes, nice to meet you, too. Um, so when you think of 2018, how do you grade out the 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 opportunities for, for children's books? How good of a year was it? I think that this was a wonderful year for children's books. One of the trends that I was most heartened by was seeing more books for upper elementary and middle school kids from all walks of life. For a long time, I felt as if the mainstream publishers were concentrating on picture books as sort of um, art objects or, you know, you know, we would look at the artistic quality of picture yeah. books. And, of course, YA fiction has the potential to be adapted into movies and television shows. So the kids who were um, not quite at either end were sort of lost in the shuffle. So there were always series. We had Diary of a Wimpy Kid. There was the Percy yeah. Jackson series. But the number of offerings this year for kids between the ages of 8 and 13 in my opinion, have just exploded. And it is a trend that we're seeing going into 2019. Why do you think so? I really think it's because it was a neglected market. Um, there were, um, you know, for different reasons. I mean, um, adult purchasers were looking at picture books. You know, some picture books are very beautiful. And, you know, um, you can look at the artistic quality or merit of the picture book. And um, we have known for many years that the largest audience for young adult fiction is um, young women between the ages of 18 and 35 who, yeah. you know, read the fiction and then will watch movies from Twilight to every Everything, everything to the Hunger Games. So um, I think that um, now we are really filling in that glorious middle for readers who no longer need a parent or teacher chaperone through, you know, picture books, you know, that wonderful story time. Um, they might want to take a book of their own and they're now um, new, newly independent readers. And so um, I think publishers are finally looking at what is available for older children and um, young teens or tweens. So again, take us through the process that you go through. And I, I remember talking to you about this last year and I, I find it incredible, daunting to do to a degree to put this list together. And it's not just one category. You're looking at, what, four or five different categories with a variety of selections within the category. So how do you go about putting this list together? Well, I'll let Chris also um, say more because this was his first year um, being involved with our process. Um, I think what we do is we read children's books all year long. Uh, yeah. Every year there are thousands of children's books published. Our team together probably reads several hundred. So we rely on trade publications such as Kirkus Reviews, Booklist, School Library Journal, 
Horn Book. And um, we also have a Twitter account, Healing Fictions, where we recommend a wonderful children's book daily around a theme. So there are about 300 books we recommend every year. And um, from that list, as we're reading, folks on the team will populate a Google sheet. So um, and around September, late September, early October, we begin um, narrowing the picks into a long list. And then um, over the course of the fall, we um, meet and use email and we discuss which books should be on, which books shouldn't. Um, we, we like to balance our list. So the widest variety of child and teen readers will find something among our picks that yeah. they can identify with. Chris, would Chris? you say that's accurate? Yeah, um, I just wouldn't. So I came into this process this year, but I've been reviewing um, children's and YA books about the past six to seven years for Kirkus. Okay. Um, so there's already, a, I guess, an internal clock for me of like watching books be released throughout the year and <laughs> beginning to pull together the best books list um, as we do for Kirkus. Um, so with that, I'm already sort of coming into the process this year. You have like this steady diet of checking in um, with, you know, new stories once a week. Um, and also just watching the wave online and seeing what recommendations are coming by, seeing what you need to check out next. Um, so between that and my relationships with a lot of the uh, independent and local bookstores throughout the area, yeah. uh, whether it be uh, Penn Book Center or Books and Stuff in Germantown or Uncle Bobby's, um, has been just a way to sort of like stay on the pulse of children's books, particularly here in Philly. Have you seen, similar to what Ebony said, have you seen kind of an increase in terms of the numbers of books that have been coming out, especially in that age 8 to 13 kind of genre? Yeah, so um, I so in the books that I review, I've been really particular at like this middle grades and finding the perfect balance of like narrative and teen drama yeah. With a bit of the on ramps that comes with reading. Yeah. Um, so um, when you start to get into uh, like middle grade books are starting to delve into relationships, um, starting to delve into um, the historic like the power of history and the impact on like the uh, daily lives of children. Um, so I'm thinking about a couple different texts this year that have done that, that have been really powerful. All right. So, and again, the, the, the different categories that, that you look at, and it goes all the way down to picture books, all the way up to is what we were just saying in terms of for true storytelling in that, in that early teen years group. Uh, let's look at, at some of these right now, because I, I've, I think it's interesting because I think we take, I'll start with picture books because I think we as you kind of alluded to before, I think there's an assumption of what a picture book is, what it really is. A lot of people believe, well, you know, it's great artwork. You know, you're going to draw attention to it. The story, maybe, maybe not. But the story, it appears from the books you're picking out, the story is just as important in a lot of them as the actual artwork, correct? Yes. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, um, taking uh multiple sort of like touch points and bringing them together. Uh, one of my favorites this year is uh, Dreamers by Yui Mar uh, Morales, which is on our list. Um, and it it is a tale of, of immigration, uh, but also a tale of the power of public libraries. Um, so you're seeing uh, a family travel um, into, the, into the United States 
um, and then like finding themselves through books at the library. Um, so it, I, I just love that tale. It's a beautiful, beautifully illustrated. Yulia Morales is probably one of our, our top illustrators in the game right now. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't start name dropping books because we can no, do this all day. But yes, that's fine. <laughs> How about yourself, Ebony? Well, about Yu Yi's book, um, there's lots of Caldecott buzz um, among my librarian friends um, around this book. So the Oscars of children's literature will be um, released next year. I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of the Newbery Medal, mm-hmm. may have remembered it from their own childhoods. Um, the Caldecott Medal is given to the best illustrated children's book in the United States um, every year. Um, one of the trends that I am really um, pleased by is the rise of anthology. So we have lots of superstar children's and young adult authors who are getting together and um, offering us collections of poetry and shorter stories. So for reluctant readers, often they are daunted by full novels or um, a tome like, you know, Harry Potter, although plenty of kids have read Harry Potter. So for instance, there is a book... um, We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices, that is a superstar compendium of just about every diverse author and illustrator in the game. It's compiled by Wade and Cheryl Hudson, who are from over in New Jersey. They started the independent bookseller and publisher Just Us Books way back in the 70s, I do believe. And if you... um, it's just this incredible collection, and I commend publishers for looking at ways to get books into kids' hands that look like, you know, America, look right. like the kids in America. And also because the, you know, you have short poems and short stories, teachers who have reluctant readers who might balk at reading a book independently by themselves. Oh, my goodness, this is 300 pages, no pictures. They can take one poem or several poems, and that's less daunting right. for the young reader. How important is it to be able to have that that wide cultural path of, of, of characters, of stories, in this day and age, I think it's it's I think it's it's an unbelievably important piece to to publishing these days. Yeah, and it's actually been a, a huge um, um, like a focus or some might say a struggle uh, in these past couple of years to really expand that um, width of uh, what's provided through the uh, market. So you have. Uh, organizations or collectives like we need diverse books um, you have a growing movement on Twitter around hashtag own voices yeah. that are really like highlighting uh, different authors illustrators um, the different stories that they are offering to the market and creating indeed like new marketing styles to reach their target audiences and also to uh, bring them to new platforms One of the statistics that I was really pleased to see is that reading is actually up. I think this was a very good year for children's books. I don't have the exact number, so, um, but... I um, am heartened to see that young children in particular are reading not only ebooks, but are really treasuring and valuing physical books, traditional 
paper books. And um, I, I think that all kids need all kinds of stories. So often when um, we talk about diverse books, people are thinking, oh, we're just thinking about children from Group X. But really, all kids need all kinds of books. And um, I think that publishers today are really starting to open their eyes and starting to realize that. But the other, you, as you mentioned with ebooks, the, it's great to have the you know the book in your hand and 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 uh, moving the pages around. But it's you want to try and get kids reading no matter how it is. And Absolutely. if and if an ebook is the option, then that's a great way to do it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful age for storytelling and narrative. Yeah. All right. So since I'm a dad of uh, two fourth graders and a and a seventh grader, uh, what do, what do we have in kind of that uh, that middle grade territory that you think is a is a really good book these days? One of the books that we do not bring for you to the to the radio station that I love is called Sanity in Tallulah by Molly Brooks. And I think it's just this amazing graphic exploration of friendship in um, later childhood, early tween years. Um, I am so excited about this book. Um, many other people in the field nationally are. And, um, you know, I think there's some award buzz there. Um, there's Zeta Elliott's Dragons in a Bag, which I think Chris is going to say more about. Yes, uh, I would say, I'm thinking about middle grades, um, and um, Zeta Elliott, uh, who's an, an amazing author, both as a sort of like independent and releasing books herself, and also um, combined with, uh, I think this one's through Random House? Random House. Um, to release Dragons in a Bag, which is a, a sort of like a magical realism story. Um Oh, my gosh. Yes. But this is a really great book. Yep. And she's a local Philadelphia author now. So, yeah. How much? And I guess that's the other aspect that we don't talk a lot about is we 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 talk about the 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 overall publishing when the books get out. But how many of these are by, you know, local authors that are just that 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 have a great idea in their mind and they want to tell the story and then they're able to get it published by a publishing house. Yeah, I, so one of the books that we featured uh, this year is Mommy's Kimar, uh which is uh written by Jamila Tompkins Bigelow, who's a local Philadelphia author, right. uh a, a Muslim mother. Um and this text is um is powered on a new imprint that is really about bringing more Muslim voices um, to the mainstream. Um, and that book is about uh, the Kimar as a, a fashion item within the Muslim faith um, and the the relationship that these uh, mother and daughter share around this item and what it means and what it symbolizes uh, in regards to their faith and in regards to how they care for one another. Um, it's a really, a really great book. And um, that Jamila is local is also like an added sort of like connection um, that we can sort of like bring that to the fold. I think that the importance of children's stories is that they have the potential to humanize us to one another. So a story like this, you know, um, the adult world can be very frightening these days for our young people. Um, We have many conflicts few answers but in a children's story one of the one of one of the reasons why the children's stories you may have read as um as a young person stayed with you and that you probably can still remember many of those is because you know this is sort of the template in which you can sort of sort out the ways in which you relate to yourself 
to the others in your life and to the world around you. So um, our tagline on our Twitter account for um, our daily book recs is um, humanizing stories. And one of my students found a graphic that said stories make us human. I mean, to be human is to tell stories. Right. And um, I think that's the power of this wonderful literature. Uh, young adult fiction is another category that you have for books out. And, and one, which I see you have at the top, is called The Poet X, which is one of the books that, that you recommend on this. Tell, tell us a little bit more about it. Yes. I mean, that book is, the na- is actually the National Book Award of young people's literature this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, amazing. Actually, Dr. Thomas got to uh, speak with yeah. uh, Elizabeth Acevedo earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I so- moderated a panel at Uncle Bobby's um, bookstore where Elizabeth before, I mean, of course we were so excited about her book coming out, but it has just done so exponentially well. It's right. a verse novel. So again, yeah. thinking about the kinds of books that reluctant readers who might see themselves mirrored in Shiamara's story uh, might pick up, you know, if this were all prose or if it were really, you know, it's 300 pages, but it's a little less intimidating if you open it up and it's poetry. But it, it, you mentioned it being written in verse, which is very unique, which makes it feel like or at least look like you're reading a, a group of poems, but it truly is you're telling a story over 300 uh, over 300 pages. I find that unique. How, how unique is that to write in verse these days? Mm, yeah. It's a huge trend right now. Um, I I think that for verse novels, we're getting some amazing poets from Margarita Engel to Jason Reynolds, who are doing amazingly creative work for um, young adult audiences around verse. Um, publishers, I would um, hope, would continue to bring new poets in. It is incredibly difficult to write a novel in verse. It's not as easy as it looks. And as a reviewer, and I'm sure Chris would agree as Mm -hmm. um, another reviewer, the worst thing in the world is a bad verse novel. But The Poet X is actually (laughs) an excellent verse novel. Chris? Yeah, and I would add that um, just for all our our listeners, Jason Reynolds has an amazing, um, um, I guess you could say, short video uh, where he's advocating for verse novels or the use of verse mm-hmm. as a way to as a way for to invite younger readers or maybe not so confident readers into a text that you don't get see like the size 10 font all across the page yeah, but you right. see like uh, a smaller uh, section of text and with that you still can be involved in the story and these humanizing stories that uh, Dr. Thomas mentioned um, so there's an amazing sort of like um, he uses poetry to tell the story of, you know, verse novels. Right. Um, so definitely look that up. All right. Uh, one of the other categories you have is comic and graphic novels. And so take us into some of the options uh, that are there. One that maybe you think is a is a good one uh, out of that category. I think that um, I want to discuss in the comics and graphic novels area um, a change from previous years. So previously, we recommended a lot of books that were for um, not only young audiences, but for adults. Um, One thing that I would like to see more of from the publishers are 
more comics and graphic novels specifically for younger readers. And right. I think they are delivering. For instance, Oni Press has um, a wonderfully whimsical series from an author illustrator who I believe is from New Zealand called the Tea Dragon Society. So this is um, a very whimsical, very radical um, fairy tale sort of retelling yeah. that I would recommend for middle grades to high school audiences. I'd like to see more books like that in the graphic uh, category. Normally, we would build up that category and we would choose 10 to 12 books. But mm -hmm. this year, we insisted upon just choosing books that were specifically for the child and the teen reader. So the category is a bit truncated this year. I, I'm finding that with the rise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and some of the other trends there, we're seeing more attention paid to that broader adult audience, particularly a an adult audience that doesn't read comics or isn't the historic right. comic audience. And I think that's all well and good that comics are now mainstream, but I would like to see more niche work and more resources poured into um, introducing the, the, the form. It's not a genre. It's a, it's a form. But it's part a, of that is, is how the business, unfortunately, in that side of the realm is playing itself out right now. And when we talked with you last year, there are obviously those types of comics that are out there, but there are so many others that have been developed in the past. You don't have to have the quote-unquote superhero to be a very effective comic as well. Yeah, and um, that just reminds me of one text that is on our list, uh, Sanity and Tallulah by Molly Brooks, um, which is a, a comic or sort of like graphic novel that's catered towards like middle grade readers um, which features two young girls in space, um, <laughs> um, differently abled, um, as heroes. Um, so when we think about who do we see as heroes within stories and who is in, like, in charge to save the world and who can do that in the stories that we um, uh, sort of like see in the market. Sandy and Tallulah by Molly Brooks is, is a really good option. We've recommended it now twice, so I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. The, yeah, it's a really good one. It's a one. good one. Uh, it's great seeing you again. Thanks very much for coming in. And again, for people that want to follow this, you have the Twitter account, yes. which is at Healing Fictions. Yes. At Healing Fictions, where you give uh, recommendations for books to read. And for people that want to check out the entire list, they can go to the Penn GSU website and the Penn GSE website will have the entire list of books for 2018 that you recommend, right? All right. Great seeing you both. Thanks Thank you very much. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.